Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Today we're talking about the power of the truth. The ninth commandment says this, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Say that with me. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Literally it says you shall not lie about your neighbor. I don't want you lying about your neighbor. Holy Spirit, open the word. Open our hearts. We want to live, not just understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Since the Ten Commandments are lessons designed to teach us to love, this commandment says simply, If I love someone, I will not lie about them, nor will I lie to them. I won't testify against them falsely in court. It certainly means that, that you and I won't lie about somebody in a legal matter. I won't destroy their reputation through slander. I won't alienate those who love them by gossip. I'm not going to use my lips to tear people down. Now, there is no part of you that has more effect on the world around you than your speech. That is the main way we share Christ. It's the main way we communicate and interact. There are other ways, but that is the main way we do that. We have the greatest influence on the world through our speech. So it's no surprise that when the Lord talks about how to love people, he's going to get to this point of our speech. He's going to talk about what we say. Remember the Ten Commandments are lessons on love. How to love God, how to love one another. And so he comes now and he says, In your loving one another, I don't want you lying about each other. I want you speaking only the truth. Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus says this about our mouth. He says the... The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his treasure what is evil. In other words, out of the heart, the stuff that we've been storing up, the attitudes and the feelings, our mouth speaks. A good man with a good heart speaks good things out of his mouth. An evil man, with full of hatred and anger and bitterness, out of his heart speaks evil things. Hatred, anger, and bitterness flow out of his mouth. So the mouth kind of tells us what's down in the heart. But I tell you, says Jesus, that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. I'm going to read that again. I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Now, do you think he really means that? That's got to be for unbelievers and not Christians, right? I mean, does that apply to us? Or was that, is that Old Testament? No, no. I guess you can't, you can't get out of it that way. Um, that's a pretty sobering thought, isn't it? He literally says, whatever, I, the words I speak, we're going to discuss. And particularly, he's talking there, the careless things. In other words, the unkind things, the cruel things, the dishonest things that have come out of my mind, mouth, we're going to discuss. I'm not looking forward to that conversation. (laughs) 
How many have a, a few things that will probably be on the docket? Yeah. Years ago, I mean, I was really on a roll, and uh, I was racking up such a lengthy interview that he, he, he decided he'd stop it. And, and he said to me, he said, Stephen, from this point on, I want you to keep your words sweet. He says, because I'm going to make you eat them. Now, I didn't know what he meant at the time. I do now. What he meant was, every time you say something cruel or unkind, unnecessary, out of the spirit, I'm going to make you go back and apologize. And I have, boy, early on in the season, I mean, I could have had several events a day. It was just awful as he reined in my tongue. I just, I was everybody's critic. I could tell you, I mean, I was so self-righteous. I could just tell you what's wrong with the whole world, you know. You want to know what's wrong with you? Just ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> and I felt somehow justified because I was trying to tell the truth. But, but don't you know that some of the cruelest things in the world are the truth? The power of the truth, the truth is so powerful, it is, there is no sharper sword to destroy someone than by speaking the truth cruelly. Is there? I mean, when people are making stuff up, you kind of know it ain't true. But when people come at you with what you know is true and they, they just cut you through to the heart, that destroys you. You have no defense because you too know it's true. So the truth can be a cruel weapon or the truth can be the most powerful form of healing. The truth spoken in love, the truth spoken with grace is a powerful healing thing. In fact, that's what the Lord wants coming out of our mouths. So he really, he really disciplined me on this matter. And I'm glad because I don't want a real long interview when I get before him to discuss all the things I have said that were careless. Man, James in his epistle, says that the tongue is a fire. It sets things on fire. It just releases wildfire. And he says if a man can control his tongue, he can literally control anything because that is the most unruly member in our body, our mouth. When I bring my speech into order, I have pretty, I've disciplined the most difficult thing in my being to discipline and brought it into obedience. I will not, the Lord is, in this commandment is really asking us this, this, to not partner with the devil to assist him in his work. Here's what I mean. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, Jesus speaking about the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now Jesus knows Lucifer. He created him. Lucifer used to be around the throne. Some sort of worshiping archangel. He knows him. And he says from the very beginning he's a liar. I don't know whether the beginning means the beginning of the, of the human race. This thing with Adam and Eve. Or whether he's going back deeper into time. I don't know. But he says he's a liar. It's his very nature. And he is the father of all lies. Now when I speak the truth in love, 
I can count on an anointing, can't I? I can count on the Holy Spirit anointing me and helping me in my speech. Well, I think what the Lord is saying is when I speak a lie, I can also count on an anointing, but it is an evil anointing that the devil is the inspiration and strength behind lies. Have you ever felt sort of when people are lying, a strange confusion that comes over you? It's like you feel almost dizzy. It's a demon. Lying does not happen in a vacuum. Lying is a demonically inspired thing. You say, oh, just little white lies? All lies. The father of all lies is the devil. And, and the Lord asks us and he says, I don't want you partnering with him, letting your mouth, your lips, be instruments for the devil. I don't want that coming through you. In another place, James says that our mouths ought not to, on the one hand, bless God and then turn around and curse our brother. He says a fountain doesn't give out sweet water and then sour, does it? He says you ought to just have come out of your mouth the things of God. Your mouth is holy. Your mouth ought to be dedicated to the Lord. It isn't yours to just use any way you want. It belongs to him. And the things that come out of your mouth ought to be pure. And they ought to be holy. And certainly not lies one moment and truth the next. The devil uses lies. In fact, lying is the most influential thing the devil has. The devil's power on planet earth the devil's ability to influence the human race comes primarily through the mind. It isn't his direct activity. He uses human beings as his servants. And he does so by deceiving our mind and controlling us through manipulation. He distorts the truth about God to people. False doctrine, false character of God. I don't think I've ever really met a true atheist. I've met people that call themselves atheists, but when you, ever get, when you get into their life, they always were raised in some sort of religious background, and then something horrible happened, and they felt their prayers weren't answered, you know, and they're angry at God, or, or, or a pastor molested them. I mean, there's some horrible things that have gone on. Some kind of horrible, deceptive thing went on, and where they come away thinking, if that's God, I don't want anything to do with him. In fact, if that's God, I hate him. Now, they aren't hating the real God. They're deceived. They're deceived, aren't they? You see, it's the lie. That's how he, the devil works. He's always distorting the truth. Lies are his tool. He destroys relationships between people. Our families, our church, our friends, our workplace. Lies come in there. Misunderstandings come in there. Boy, you get into one of these fights and everybody is on a different channel. I see it one way, you see it another way, we're all, every, you know, there's this confusion that comes into the thing and everybody's right. It's a lie. There's a, there's a spirit involved. The, the devil uses lies to destroy reputations. He uses lies to put people into bondage, fear, anger, confusion. He destroys lives by people that believe lies about themselves, about situations. I could, boy, I could go on that one. 
He uses lies to persecute the church. He uses lies to control people so that they serve him. He uses lies to prevent people from being saved. Lies. It's the avenue into the human race. Th think about this. As you look around the world, you look at the horrors, you look at the tortures, you look at the deaths, you look at the, the, the oppression. Devil isn't doing it. People are doing most of it. Aren't they? Under his leadership. Under his lying inspiration. The, the other day, somebody said to me, you know, when you, apparently I had made a comment that we should feel compassion for these uh, suicide bombers. I said, they're victims too. And he said, man, when you said that, it really bothered me. He says, because my attitude has been, let them fry. You know, good riddance, bad garbage kind of, kind of thing. And he said, it's been working on me. And then he said, but you said, they think they're going to heaven or into paradise, but they'll wake up in hell. Now listen, how come people are willing, young, young men, young women, are willing to strap dynamite to themselves and nails and walk onto a bus or whatever and blow themselves to hamburger and all of these innocent people? What possesses them. You, you think about some of the atrocities, some of the things they're coming up with as they go into the city of Fallujah, some of the, the, the horrible blood-spattered rooms and headless bodies, and I won't go on. There was some things that are still bothering me that I've, re I've heard about this last week. Just this horror, and you think, that is, that's like an animal! And yet, that's insulting to animals. They don't do that stuff. I mean, they may kill you to eat you, but that's one thing. But this kind of just wild mutilation and, and, and appalling the slaughter of innocence, animals do that? They don't do that. You think, whoa, 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 and it's almost hard to figure out how come anybody would do this? Well, let's think. What are they told? What's the lie? When they die like this, they die as glorious martyrs. And they are immediately translated into paradise. Which, by the way, is something only Hugh Hefner could have come up with. The Islamic paradise, you get a man, I don't know about you women, but a man gets 70 virgin women. And lots of liquor and all kinds of pleasure. Now, here's a young teenager... Strapping this stuff to him. Blowing himself to hamburger. Think he's going to end up in something like the Playboy Mansion. He's a spirit, so he doesn't die. And all of a sudden, he's in a dark place under the earth. And these voices are around him. These gibbering voices. Come with us. And he's being taken down into a place where he's awaiting the judgment of God. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm supposed to, I, I'm supposed to be in paradise. Where am I? What is this? I was told. And he is now lost forever. People lies. If you'd have told this young man the truth, 
he wouldn't have done it. If he'd understood the truth. You take these little babies from young ages. Do you know they raise them and even dress them special ways to be martyrs? Little children are dressed in white all along. Because they're going to blow themselves to pieces. They're a sacrifice. If you can't see the horror of that and the demonic work of that, lies are what the devil uses to damage and injure the human race. He uses us by lying to us. God's character is exactly the opposite. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to heal rescue and give eternal life. Like the devil, he too wants me and you to partner with him in his work. He wants to use my lips to speak things which heal, rescue, and give eternal life. For him to use me, I must be committed to speaking the truth. It's a decision you have to make because telling the truth isn't easy. Telling the truth can cost you a lot. Telling the truth makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? It's a painful, faith-filled obedience that decides to tell the truth. It is not something we're born with. Every child I ever had learned to lie automatically easy by themselves. We don't lie to them. They learned it by themselves. So did you and I. It was effortless. Let's define what we mean by the word truth. Truth is an accurate description of reality. Communicating what really exists without lies, confusion, or distortion. What is true? What really exists without lies, confusion, or distortion? This is why Jesus is called the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, Light means truth. Not in Jesus Christ, you see the true nature of God. Not compromised with any lies, distortion, or confusion. In Jesus Christ, you find the way to salvation without any lies, distortion, or confusion. And yet we live in a planet that's full of, of darkness. Full of lies, distortions, and confusion. Everywhere we turn. We're surrounded by lies and part truths and deception. And into this darkness has come the Son of God. And now we can see the truth of God. What is he really like? Who is our God? Jesus is the light of the world. He bursts into this place and we see the truth about God. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. John, over and over again, refers to our Lord as the light. In verse 4, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's given, showing us eternal light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He came onto this planet with all this confusion, lies, and distortions, and very few people understood what they were seeing. In verse 14, John says, and the Word, that's the Lord Jesus, He is the communication with this planet, always has been, became flesh and dwelt. Some of you will be interested to know the word literally means tabernacled. 
dwelt in a tent. Boy, going right back to the tabernacle in the wilderness. He tabernacled among us and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Full of two things. What are they? Grace and truth. Now hang on to that. Verse 16. For of his fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. What was given through? Realized through Jesus Christ? Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Grace doesn't mean we stop telling the truth. Grace is why we will tell the truth. In Jesus Christ, these two things are always present. Grace, the love of God, the mercy of God, but there'll always be truth. He's no, he, he, won't, he doesn't run away from the truth. There'll be justice. There'll be truth in Jesus Christ. People get in trouble when they separate those two things. If he becomes all love and grace, there becomes no truth in him. And everything becomes sort of a free-for-all. If it's all truth, there's no mercy in him, and it becomes a harsh, legalistic abuse. Jesus Christ is both. In him is perfectly blended grace and and truth. Now when he speaks the truth to you, are you destroyed by it? Because he does speak truth to you, doesn't he? When you hear the Holy Spirit, man, he goes right into your heart and he tells you the truth. But what does it do when God really speaks it to you? It heals you. Why? Why? Sometimes he's rebuking you. I mean, here he was telling me, for example, about my mouth and saying, from now on I'm making you eat those words. He disapproved of my speech. He's telling me the truth. But did I come out of that destroyed and oppressed and condemned? No, I came out of there like, okay, here we go. And I, I'm being strengthened so I can be set free. The issue that makes the difference is why are you speaking the truth? Why? If I take the truth and I use it to get even with you, I am not speaking it in grace. In some families, the only time truth really gets spoken is when everybody's so angry they can't control themselves anymore. Oh, yeah! Well, and you know, and you just tell them what you think. And then you spend the next few days lying and saying, I never really meant that. That's the, that's the truth cycle in many families. It bursts out by accident and then you have to Lie and try to say, I never meant that. I didn't say that. Is that what you heard? Oh, I'm sorry. We play this game. That's the only time truth comes out in anger as a weapon. But in the Lord, we are to speak the truth in love. Paul tells us to speak the truth to one another in love. In other words, why am I speaking truth? If I'm speaking truth to heal you, to rescue you, to see you have eternal life, to comfort you, to build you up. Now I'm speaking it in grace. God comes to me and he'll say some of the most difficult things. He'll go right to the core of my being. He does not turn aside from my sin and my failure. He talks about it. And yet the spirit in which he comes to me is one of healing and a restoration of fatherly concern and love for me. And I never come away condemned. I always come away challenged to grow and to move on. Don't you? 
You see, grace and truth are in Jesus Christ, for they are in our Father, and they're perfectly blended. If I'm going to be a truthful person, I must, first of all, be reliable. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5? If I've decided to be truthful, truth with grace, here are four things the Lord says will mark my life. First of all, I must be reliable. I must be a person that does what I say I'll do. Jesus comments here, Matthew 5, verse 33. He says, again, you, were, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And, and just let me insert something here. You may say, what's this stuff about heaven or earth and footstools? Israel knew that they couldn't swear by God. That's one of the commandments. We've had covered that already. Well, I'll then I'll swear by his throne. Or I'll swear by his footstool. Or his shoe. I mean, you know, you got this kind of cutesy thing going where they're just a near miss, you know. So they're swearing by stuff around him and not him and they figure they, they somehow outsmarted it. I, I don't know. It was really foolish. But you say, what's he talking about? He's saying, don't swear by anything. Verse 36, you shall not make an oath by your head. Apparently they sweared by that too. For you cannot make one hair white or black. At least... Back then they couldn't. <laughs> now we can, but it's not honest. Okay. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. What he's telling us to do here is he says, if you say you'll do something, do it. If you say you won't do something, don't do it. You must be a person whose word is good. When you speak a thing, you are totally committed to following through on what you say. So that you should never have to swear by anything. Because when you say you'll do it, everybody knows you will. Because that's your character. You're a person of character. Which makes you a reliable witness to God. So that when you say, the Lord said this to me, people know your integrity. You don't use words cheaply. If you say a thing, you do a thing, you're that kind of person. So when you say, the Lord spoke this to me, people believe you. He says, you're going to be my disciples and your integrity, your credibility is essential. I want your words to be carefully spoken. I think it was a couple years ago, my wife made me promise. We were standing at the sink and I had rinsed something out. And we've got one of these little wooden drying racks, you know. And I rinsed it real well. And I put it up there. And she said, what are you doing? She says, don't ever put anything in that. You don't soap. Why? Well, we all think it's clean. Well, it sort of is. <laughs> Says, and then she said, I want you to promise me you'll never put anything in there that you don't soap. We've got one of those little things with a handle and a sponge, you know, soap in it. 
All right, I promise. I was just, it was just before she left for Kazakhstan. I'm standing at the sink, you know, and, I'm, and I had something, and I'm in a real hurry. And I've rinsed it off real well. And, oh, I want to put that in that rack. And I'm thinking, And I said, I was, I was not in a good humor. I said, oh, I promised to soap this thing. So <laughs> I soaped it and I put it up there. <laughs> I have hundreds of times been tempted. Now, this is really small stuff, wouldn't you agree? But I have been hundreds of times tempted to put something up when she's not in the kitchen and just put it on that rack. But I haven't, basically. I, I, I may have one or two times. <laughs> I can't say for sure. I don't recall. <laughs> Depends on what is means. Uh, no. Um, I, I have done it because I said I would. And this verse I've just read you goes through my mind. This verse informs me. Now, Many years ago now, Mary and I were sitting on a log in Mission Bay in San Diego, watching them jet ski and water ski. We had been invited, in fact, this was the second time they'd flown us from Arizona to San Diego, trying to get us to take a beautiful church uh, built above Mission Valley with a, with a nice-sized congregation and school and all of this, they wanted us to take and pastor that church. Well, we were planting a church in Arizona. And it was a hard slog. And so there we are sitting on this log, watching them jet ski. And I said, Mary, can't you get used to this? <laughs> and she said to me, Stephen, you tell me that God has told you where to come here. And I'll go home and pack up right now. Hmm. All, I just, if I could just make the mouth go, yeah, he told me. All I had, about four or five words, and we were there. And I couldn't get them out of my mouth. And that's what she was counting on. She knew I wouldn't lie to her. And so she knew if I said God spoke it, that I, I really believed God spoke it. And if I couldn't say it, it's because he hadn't. She trusted me. That's what Jesus is driving that. See, this really becomes more, it's not just about words, it's about integrity. And, and as you move into the things of God, the, thing, the ministry of the Spirit, there is nothing more important than your integrity. When you say, thus saith the Lord, the Lord spoke this to me, the Lord told me to do this, your integrity is huge. I mean, don't you know people, and don't look right or left, don't you know people who say, well, God told me this, and God told me that, and God told me this, and God told me that, and he changes from week to week and day to day, and after a while you figure, either God is really stupid or you're not hearing accurately. I mean, something's going on here. 
There are people that use this God chatter. And I mean, everything God told me this and God told me that and God told me this and they're just inconsistent and they never finish anything they start. They, they're, they're, their life is just a wildness and yet God told them. And it's an embarrassment and a shame before the Lord. And everybody who knows you just knows that they either, you either are both, either diminishing God in their minds to make him a fool or they've decided you are just not in touch. Hopefully it's B. Integrity. Integrity is huge. You and I, when we say the Lord spoke, we better believe the Lord spoke. Or just say, I think this is a great idea and I hope God does too. Just say it that way. That's the truth. Our words, we're to be reliable and truthful in our words. Secondly, we are to be forthright. Honesty is the bedrock of all human relations. Nothing can, lasting can ever be built on a lie. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Chapter 4, verse 15. Paul is speaking about the body of Christ, about how we're a family together. In fact, we're like a physical body. We're different members in this body, but we're all held together by, by the muscles and the joints. And he says in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. See that? We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. When we speak to one another, we're to speak the truth but it is to come from the motive of love. Truth and grace are to mark our lives with each other. And it will cause the church to grow. We'll build one another, up, one another up into the body we're supposed to be. I think there's two kinds of families in the world. I coined these phrases. There are blabbers and there are stuffers. Some families just talk it out. I mean, whatever's in their head and more comes blurting out. You know exactly what they're thinking in no uncertain terms. I grew up in such a family. That is how we communicated. It's just rear back, cock your rifle and fire. And blah, out it came and you just went at it, hammer and tong until we were done. And when we were done, we were done. Because if the other person was angry, they would tell you they were angry. So you knew if they weren't. And I married somebody that came from the other side of the family, the stuffers, in which if there's anything of significance or importance, shh, don't talk about it. Don't tell him. The big phrase is, don't tell so-and-so. Don't tell so-and-so. Don't tell. That's the, that's the mark of a, of a family that stuffs things down. Well, I've watched over the years. I have learned that I had... Given my history, I had to learn to speak the truth in love. And I had to learn to be careful in, my, in, in what I said and how I said it. That I was way too harsh, way too abusive in the way I communicated. Boy, when my wife first walked in on a, on a family conversation, she went, Stop it! Stop it! You're and I said, what? And we looked and said, what's wrong? She said, you're yelling. Said, no, we're not yelling. This is talk. <laughs> 
Well, as I step back now, yes, indeed, we were yelling. But to us, it was not emotionally yelling. It was this, you had to be at this volume to hear one another. <laughs> so you and I can all be thankful that my wife has toned me down. I still, if I err, it generally is that way. And I, I make some people nervous. As I just, you want to know what I think? I tell you. And that bothers some folks. On the other hand, I've watched the, the results of this stuffing thing. This, shh, don't say anything. Don't, don't tell him. Don't tell her. Don't say. And those people push the stuff down into their guts where it festers and builds. And I watch love grow cold and die in those environments. If I have to pick, I'll pick the blabbers over the stuffers. Now, miraculously, God always sees that one from each type of family marries one another. <laughs> Doesn't he? It's amazing. It's just remarkable. And I guess he puts it together for the same reason he did our, mine, is, you know, sort of, sort of the two will heal one another and you'll come out with about the right balance. I don't know. But I think in the family that stuffs the truth, the fear is this, that it's probably a dangerous environment where if you let out any truth, they use it against you. Truth isn't handled in love. And so you're either ridiculed with the truth, beat over the head with the truth, have it shoved in your face repeatedly. If, if you let out any truth, you're going to get it back between the eyes. Now you've given them a real handle to beat you to a pulp. And so don't tell anybody. Well, that's a mark of the lack of grace. It's a mark of the lack of love. It's a mark of the character of that family. But blabbing the truth like a machine gun isn't the solution either. It's meant to, the two must go together. Speaking the truth in love. If you want to have a marriage, if you want to have a true relationship with your children, if you want anything, it has to be built on truth or it's built on a lie. And if it's a built on a lie, it's not built on reality. You don't know each other. You don't really love each other because you don't know each other. You love the lie. I uh, was in Los Angeles a month or two ago, and we had a meeting in which the, the board of our denomination and what's called the cabinet, we were all together. And because of some of the friction over the the uh, resignation of our previous president, the cabinet resented the board, and the board resented their resentment, and there was this tension between the two groups. Oh, everybody smiled, and you know. Well, we were all in a room, and somehow in the middle of the, dis of the discussion, up came the old issue. And some rather prominent pastors got into it with each other right in front of us, which ignited everybody, and off we went. Now, I thought to myself, because Pastor Jack's sitting on the stool, sort of hands in pocket, just watching this, leaning on the thing, you know, and I'm thinking, he's going to stop this any minute now. I mean, come on, these guys are going, here we go. And he just sat there. And then after a while, he said, you know, this is how brothers fight. You know, just <laughs> let us go. And indeed, I got into it too. 
but I brought something really helpful. I'll bet that had to have gone on at least two hours. I'm not kidding you. He really let it roll. By the time two hours are over, we're exhausted. We, everybody has just blat their stuff all over. Some real interesting truth has come out onto the table because we're, we've kind of heard one another's hearts and some things of real true explanation have been heard and it was kind of like, you thought that, you thought that, that was done, really? I didn't know that happened, oh! And we're just exhausted, kind of. And then somebody said, I think we should, the Lord saying, it was a prophetic word, I believe the Lord saying we should pray for one another and that the cabinet should surround the board and lay hands on them and reaffirm our commitment and love for the board. Now, at this point, they, we had so talked through the issue, we were down to truth, that we really were at peace with each other. The misunderstandings were on the table. We understood how one another thought about things and, and it was on the table and it was at peace. And so we gathered and man, the power of God came and there was this real healing. Not the, we're all being healed. You know, it was not a phony, false, superficial thing. It was right to the core. We had fought it out, talked it out, listened to one another and, and, and Pastor Jack could have stopped it at any second, just sat there letting us roll. And I was amazed. I thought, that was very remarkable. Most leaders would not have let this group of people go at it like you did. But I'm going to tell you what, something about him. He believes in divine order. That God has a way of doing things. And he believes in, what it, in headship. That when the head is sick, the body will be sick. And so he was allowing the healing and the reconciliation of some of our top levels of leaders in our, in our denomination, healing between them, and I know why. He wants revival for the whole movement. And so he is bringing out and cleaning out this festering wound and letting it come out until this thing was restored because he wants the blessing of God to flow down to all the congregations. I know why he was doing it. And I'm going to tell you something, there was a tremendous breakthrough and an anointing. And I believe that as this kind of thing is laid in place, there is going to be and is already coming a blessing across our movement. That's the way your family works. That's the way your marriage works. That's the way, that's the way we, it works with our children. That's the way churches work. That's the way workplaces work. You see, these principles, this principle of truth, truth and grace... Truth spoken in love. Th this combination of things is how you heal and how you bring blessing. You and I are to be people who are forthright speaking the truth in love. The Bible says that God's ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. And that, isn't that true? I mean, as we come to every one of these commandments and we see the Lord, his, his view of things, it is very different than the human condition. And yet it's so right. He is holy. We have come to the true and living God. This is truth. As we've been talking today, some of you may feel, wow, there's somebody I need to talk to or there's a situation that I need to correct. There's a promise I made I haven't been keeping. I've been saying, yes, I'd do this, but I haven't been doing it. I said, no, I wouldn't do this, and yet I have been. There's reliability. There's forthrightness. 
Or I've been speaking the truth all right, but I've been using it like a hammer to beat my family over the head with it. I've got to stop that. I've got to let the grace of God mark why I do what I do. It ought to be out of love that I speak truth, nor to heal, nor to restore, nor to comfort. I ought to be speaking the truth in that motive. Something's wrong with my heart attitude. Would you let the Holy Spirit just apply it right now to you? Come Holy Spirit. We, I, all of us, thank you for your precious word and ask right now that your power and presence would make it live in our hearts. That we would be men and women full of grace and full of truth just like our Lord. Speaking the truth and love one to another, building up one another to be the family of God. Come Lord, we would be such people. And we ask for your Holy Spirit now to fill our homes and lives. Praise and thanksgiving would rise up within us. We pray for joy, we pray for covering. And just while we mentioned it today, we pray for our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan around the world. We pray for our president and his wife. We pray for our Congress, for our Supreme Court. We pray for our governor. We ask, oh God, for your lordship over this entire situation. And we give you thanks. The greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We give you thanks for the kingdom of God marching on powerfully, even in troubled times. We give you blessing and thanksgiving for who you are. And we would give you our whole lives without reservation. We would serve you as sons and daughters without holding back anything and certainly not our lips. May our mouth speak as yours. In Jesus' powerful name we pray it. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.